just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It is Tuesday, but this is actually the first work day of the week. Monday was a holiday, of course, Labor Day. Hopefully you all celebrated it and uh, and uh, remembered the reason why we celebrate it. If you listened yesterday, you heard two podcasts, my regular podcast, then I did a second podcast with Ed, so we got to talk about a lot of stuff. In spite of the fact that it was Labor Day, I did two podcasts, and I did that because, well, most of the rest of the year, I don't do any labor. I do this, and to me, this is fun. This is enjoyable. It's not about labor. I spent my life doing years of labor of different kinds, but now as a retired guy, I get to pick and choose what I want to do, and laboring isn't one of them. But I do appreciate those people that do and work hard every day and have um, been behind the unions when they first started out. As Ed pointed out, almost everything that's good for the working man and woman can be attributed to the unions. Somebody's got to fight for us. Apparently our government doesn't. We know Democrats and Republicans alike have... uh, not always been on top of dealing with and serving the middle class. Hopefully that's about to change, but who knows? we got to keep our eyes open and our fingers on the pulse of what's happening and our foot on the necks of any politician, Democrat or Republican, to make certain that they do what they're supposed to do and serve the people of this country. Now, one of the things that we've talked about a number of times, I probably discuss this at different points in the last three podcasts, but it's big news. And uh, and since yesterday was a holiday, not a lot of other stuff was going on. So we're going to talk about it again briefly, maybe get some more details about this uh, decision by a district court judge to allow the Trump lawyers to have a uh, special master to look at the documents that Donald Trump fucking stole. It seems crazy. It seems ridiculous, but not surprising given the fact that uh, this particular judge was appointed by Donald Trump. Now, she didn't take office until after the election, after Donald Trump lost. But nonetheless, she was appointed by Donald Trump. And uh, some people have some opinions on this decision, and we'll get to that in, in a bit. So a federal judge on Monday granted a request by former President Donald Trump's legal team to appoint a special master to review documents seized by the FBI from his Florida home and also temporarily halt the Justice Department's use of the records for investigative purposes. Now that said, in her in her um, di- in her documentation, her judgment, she also said though that. Uh, Uh, Cannon specifically wrote that the appointment of a special master shall not impede the intelligence community's ongoing assessment of the top secret docs. 
And that's really where the problem lies. It's one thing. We know Donald Trump stole these documents. We know he lied to the DOJ. We know that um, that he should never have had possession of these documents. All those things are illegal. That is a given. The one thing that's of most concern right now is what did he do with them? How much damage did he do to this country? And I'm still convinced that uh, Merrick Garland, even though we haven't heard this as yet, maybe has some lines on what Donald Trump did with this stuff. Donald Trump's not the brightest guy. He doesn't cover things up. He does everything in front of people's faces. So I'm sure Merrick Garland has some insight as to how he used these things to benefit him. The decision by the U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon came despite the objections of the Justice Department, which said an outside legal expert was not necessary in part because officials had already completed their review of potentially privileged documents. The judge had previously signaled her inclination to approve a special master, asking a department lawyer during arguments this month, what's the harm? Oh, I don't know what the harm is. Judge, first of all, you're, uh, you're, you're pointing out that we can't trust the DOJ or the FBI. You need a third party to go over this. Secondly, we are delaying something that might be putting our country security at risk. Other than that, not doing any harm. The appointment is likely to slow the pace of the department's investigation into the presence of the top secret information at Mar-a-Lago, given the judge's directive that the Justice Department may not, for the moment, use any of the seized materials for investigative purposes, but it is not clear that it will have any significant effect on any investigations, uh, decisions, or the, uh, or the ultimate outcome of the probe. Let's be honest, they've had this going on a month. They probably finished most of the investigations. They probably don't have to do anymore. This is another fuck-up by Donald Trump. Wait three weeks and then ask for this after the FBI has had a chance to fully go over it. Cannon, who was nominated to the bench by Trump in 2020, said she would permit the continuation of a risk assessment of the documents being conducted by the U.S. intelligence community. Well, here's the problem with that. If they're still able to look at the risk assessment, and this is to protect Donald Trump, this special master, if we find out there was some distribution of these documents to adversarial or enemy countries, well, that's put right on the back of Donald Trump. He's trying to protect himself. This is just a stupid little delay tactic that's not going to work. None of the delay taxes have ever worked. So it's it's a really weird situation. Um, but for those Democrats out there that are all freaked out, Donald Trump won, oh, that investigation is over. That's bullshit. Don't even think that. Don't even say that. It's a fucking stupid delay tactic. And we see what Donald Trump's tactics have gotten him. Remember, he said, oh, you got to release the search warrant. So they did. Guess what? It fucked over Donald Trump more than he was already fucked over. Then they said they didn't learn a lesson. They said, turn over the affidavit. And they did. And what did it do? It screwed Donald Trump again. Then they started talking about this uh, special master. 
And then some other information was leaked out. And once again, Donald Trump looked bad. We know more about this investigation than we should or would normally have known. And it's all because of Donald Trump. Hell, we might not have even known about the search right away had Donald Donald Trump not squealed like a fucking little pig. Trump's lawyers had argued that a special master, usually an outside lawyer or former judge, was necessary to ensure an independent review of records taken during the August 8th search. Such a review was necessary, they said, they have said, so that any personal information or documents recovered by the FBI could be filtered out and returned to Trump, and so that any documents protected by attorney-client privilege or executive privilege could also be segregated from the rest of the investigation. Here's the deal. Executive privilege. In this circumstance, it does not exist. That's been proven in court. The only person that can assert executive privilege is a sitting member or sitting president of the United States, and that ain't Donald Trump. The only thing he's sitting on is a fucking dirty diaper. He is not president of the United States. He cannot assert executive privilege. Now, attorney-client privilege, that's communications between a lawyer and his client, presumably whoever his lawyer is at that time and Donald Trump. Well, of course, none of that would be important to this investigation because that's not what this is about. This is about top secret or top secret SCI documents. And of course, those communications wouldn't be that. It's simply a stupid delay tactic, and it's typical of Donald Trump and the Republicans. They love to delay and delay and delay, but eventually they have to step up and do what they're asked to do. I don't know what they hope to gain by this. Are they trying to run out the clock? They really can't run out the clock on this. There is no time frame. I know a lot of people say, well, if the Republicans take over in the midterms, then all this will go away. A couple things you need to know. If the Republicans somehow, by some crazy fucking possibility, um, got the uh, majorities in the House and the Senate, first of all, they don't take office till the early part of June or January. So there is some time in between the election and when they finally take office. Secondly, once it's with the DOJ, politics don't make a difference anymore. The next two years, uh, Joe Biden will be president. And even if the Republicans control the House and the Senate, that doesn't affect anything. Once it's in the DOJ, it's in the legal system. And our members of Congress have nothing to fucking say about it. The Justice Department had argued against the appointment, saying it was unnecessary since it already had reviewed potentially privileged documents and identified a limited subset of materials that could be covered by attorney-client privilege. It also said Trump was not entitled to return of any of the presidential records that were taken since he's no longer president and the documents, therefore, do not belong to him. And personal items that were recovered were commingled with classified information, giving them potential value as evidence, the department said. Now, he had everything in there. He had press clippings. He had personal articles of clothing. Jesus Christ, what is Donald Trump, a fucking hoarder? It's just, it's just amazing to me that not only did he steal these things, but he had no regard for security, nothing. You know, they want to have this special master and delay it just in case Donald Trump had a couple of 
uh, letters from his attorney or some made-up executive privilege. And all the while this is going on, we have documents that have been floating around the world for six years, and nobody's done anything about them. Of course, the Republicans didn't do it during Donald Trump's term, and now that the Democrats are trying to do it, they're saying, well, we should take this slow. No, motherfucker. These are our top secret documents, our top secret SCI documents. There is no fucking time to waste. We don't know what the damage is, and at the very least, we need to assess that damage so we know what we need to do. Do we need to start pulling foreign assets out because Donald Trump is going to get them killed? Did Donald Trump already get some of these foreign assets killed? It's a fucking mess. And somebody like this judge is making a mistake by doing what she's doing. She is going to get a lot of heat. And the common opinion about what she did, none of it is real positive. In fact, on Monday, former Solicitor General and Georgetown Law Professor Neil Katyal took to Twitter to dissect all of the problems with District Judge Aileen Cannon's decision granting former President Donald Trump's request to have a special master review. Katyal said this special master opinion is so bad, it's hard to know where to begin. She says Biden hasn't weighed in on whether Doc's protected by executive privilege. Nonsense. The archives letter, which DOJ submitted to the judge, makes it clear current president thinks none of this is privileged. Archivist says it's not a close question. So she's making shit up as she goes along. Furthermore, Katyal noted the opinion enjoins the entire investigation because some of the material might be subject to executive privilege, but executive privilege is, isn't some post-presidential privilege that allows presidents to keep documents after they leave office. At most, it simply means that there are executive documents that must be returned to the archives. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form mean they can be used in criminal prosecution about stolen documents. I mean, that's the important thing to remember here. He took these documents out of the White House. That's illegal. He lied to the DOJ and the FBI about having the documents. That is a crime. And then he had possession of documents nobody should have possession of and should never have been taken out of a secured space. And he puts them in his basement or in his desk or under his bed or whatever the fuck he does. Everything about this is wrong on every level for Donald Trump. And that's before getting into the fact that a special master simply isn't equipped to resolve the issues Cannon alluded to, uh, including which documents exactly are subject to privilege and why, and which documents would do reputational harm to Trump. That's a funny one. We hate to harm Trump's reputation. Well, Trump's reputation has been in the shitter for a long time. How much more damage could you do to it? She says that because some tiny percentage of materials might be privileged, the entire investigation overall, the materials has to stop. That's a bazooka when one needs at most a scalpel, wrote Catchall. 
She tries to enjoy the executive branch from using these materials in an investigation, but the government has already reviewed all the materials. It makes no sense. She says Trump suffers irreparable harm in the interim, but the only harm she isolates is he won't have the docs back during the investigation. That's not irreparable. He can't he can get them back later, and if they are improperly used to bring an indictment, he can move to dismiss the indictment. See, that's the thing. If there are some documents in there that are, are, are um, attorney-client privileged and they are used in a, in a trial, that's one way he can get an appeal or do something something else. So by getting all of those out there, Donald Trump is locked in. Once again, he fucks himself up. And beyond all of that, Catchell argued, Cannon failed utterly to prove that either Trump has standing, since the documents belong to the archives and not to him in the first place, or that she herself even has jurisdiction to hear the case, given the magistrate judge who approved the warrant could have heard this question. They went judge shopping. They didn't take it back to the judge uh, that initially did the search, which is what they should have done. That's just a few more problems, concluded Catchall. Frankly, any of my first-year law students would have written a better opinion. Well, and that's not surprising, given that Donald Trump appointed her. He didn't appoint people to the Supreme Court or the federal bench or whatever based on their qualifications. He based it on whether they were friendly to him. And this woman was friendly to Donald Trump, is part of the Federalist Society, which is a bunch of fucking crazies, a bunch of racist, misogynist, anti-Semite, insurrectionist fucks. And that's who this judge is. Thanks, Donald Trump, for putting these this kind of piece of shit in a judge's role. Representative Jamie Raskin, love this guy, a member of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection on Sunday, said Jenny Thomas, the wife of conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, has relevant testimony to offer. Thomas reportedly pressured Arizona people, but also two Wisconsin state lawmakers to overturn the result of the 2020 election in favor of former President Donald Trump. In addition to her previously known emails to 29 state lawmakers in Arizona, urging them to install a slate of alternate electors, according to the Associated Press. Now, these, um, I won't even call them alternate. I'll call them fake electors because that's what they were. There is no such thing as alternate electors. These people who were involved in this are now shitting their pants. They thought they were making a protest or making a stand. But now they're all on the verge of being convicted and sent to fucking prison. I wonder how smart they think they are now. Biden won over 20,000 votes in Wisconsin and by more than 10,000 in Arizona. I would say she has a relevant testimony to render and she should come forward and give it, Raskin said of Thomas on uh, Face the Nation. I don't want to overstate her role. We've talked to more than 1,000 people. Thomas also reportedly exchanged text messages with Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, urging the former president's team to not admit defeat. 
why does this woman have any say in this at all? She holds no position other than what she calls herself an activist. The only thing she has is she's married to a Supreme Court justice, and clearly she's milking this for all it's worth. She wrote, do not concede to Meadows. So this nobody is telling the chief of staff to the president, don't concede. And apparently he's taking her advice. It takes time for the army who is gathering for his back. Now she's suggesting there is an army gathering for Donald Trump. Does she mean a violent army, just an emotional support team, or what the fuck does she mean? Representative Liz Cheney, vice chair of the January 6th committee in July, said they would consider issuing a subpoena for Thomas, adding her testimony is important. While Thomas had originally signaled she was open to sitting for an interview, her lawyer, Mark Paoletta, rejected the idea in a letter to the panel dated June 28th. There is no story to uncover here, Paoletta said. He continued, I do not believe there is currently a sufficient basis to speak with Miss Thomas. Well, that kind of changed, didn't it, when we saw the texts that she asked to have a Venmo bill sent to her so she could help pay for the fucking buses. Apart from seeking testimony from Thomas, the committee on Thursday sent a letter to former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, that old dinosaur piece of shit, inviting him to voluntarily testify about the detailed input he offered Trump advisors on ads that amplified the election lies following the 2020 contest. Representative Benny Thompson, the chair of the committee, said the advertisements aired in the lead-up to the December 14, 2020 uh, when electors from each state met to vote for president and vice president. These efforts attempted to cast doubt on the outcome of the election after voting had already taken place. Thompson wrote to Gingrich, they encourage members of the public to contact their state officials and pressure them to challenge and overturn the results of the election. Asked about the possibility of former Vice President Mike Pence testifying, Raskin said House investigators would want to hear from Mike Pence. I think he has a lot of relevant evidence, and I would hope he would come forward and testify about what happened. Raskin said without ruling out the possibility of issuing a subpoena for him if he does not appear voluntarily, Raskin added that the public can expect to have the committee's full report certainly by the end of the year. What's going to happen is we are going to have more hearings in September, and I'm betting you're going to see a hearing or two in October as well. Now, whether that final presentation happened before the midterms or not really doesn't make a difference. As long as the information, as long as the evidence is revealed and people know about it, that will be enough to impact the midterms. And then after the midterms are done, presuming the uh, House and the Senate are still held by the Democrats and maybe some expansion to their majority, uh, that'll just make it easier for Democrats to get done what they wanted to do. So, it's it's all going to be interesting because Ginny Thomas is it was in the press for a while and then she kind of went away. And this is how it goes with this whole process. 
One minute we're all over the hearings. Next minute we're all over the documents that were stolen by Donald Trump. There is one shit show after the other, and the other one overtakes the other. So we have the document thing going on. They're waiting for a special master. Uh, Now, they could, theoretically, they could appeal it. The DOJ could appeal that decision. And they might. Or they might not. Now, you might say, why wouldn't they appeal it? Well, once they appeal it, and assuming they win, then it'll get peeled again all the way to the Supreme Court. And who knows what those fucks in the Supreme Court will ultimately do. But the more important thing is this process will take a long time. It could take a year. Or it could take a year and a half. Now, there is nothing in these documents that Donald Trump is going to win on. He's never won before. Um, maybe it's easier just to do it. Get it done, spend a couple of weeks, a month getting it done, and then moving forward. That may be the easiest way to do it. I don't know that's if that's how they will do it, but that would be the easiest way to do it. Now, the way that they decide on these um, um, special masters, the way it's supposed to work out in this particular situation is that by Friday of this week, Donald Trump's legal team has to come up with a list of possible special masters. The DOJ has to come up with a list of special masters. And then somehow these two entities have to work together to come out with a final choice on the special master, which is asking a lot given that these people haven't agreed on anything. Now, it's more than likely that Donald Trump and his lawyers will try to dick around and drag this thing out if they do that according to what was written in the uh, in the decision, that might spell trouble for Donald Trump and his legal team. If, it, if, if there's any sense that they're dicking around or trying to delay it, the judge is likely to come down with something. So uh, for the people who are worrying about this, uh, this whole thing is kind of a joke. It's a weak delay tactic. It's nothing to be worried about. The fact is Donald Trump did what Donald Trump did, and he is going to have to pay a price for it. I'm still convinced that. Uh, Merrick Garland, actually, he could could issue an indictment today. That doesn't stop that. They may already have enough information. As I I said, they probably have done most of the investigation in all these documents already. So the idea of getting a special master in there and stopping them from doing it really doesn't matter. They would have already looked into this. This is kind of a high priority to them when it comes to national security. So you can bet they've gone through it pretty thoroughly up to this point. But we're starting another week. We'll see where this takes us and how it affects everything. No doubt it will continue to be a shit show. Uh, But the important thing is don't get too upset about this one because we still got Georgia. We still got New York. We still got the grand jury for for the January 6th insurrection. There is too much stuff hovering over Donald Trump's head. Only one has to drop on him, and one of those will drop on him. The biggest concern regarding these documents isn't convicting Donald Trump. The biggest concern is finding out what damage has been done. Once we know how much damage has been done, this goes from a Presidential Records Act uh, infraction to potentially treason 
or I don't know if you don't want to call it treason. Certainly, it would show that Donald Trump is a traitor. So we'll see what happens. Don't get excited about it. Don't get worried about it. Uh, it's not a big deal. We'll get through this part of it, and Donald Trump will fry for this because this is the most egregious criminal act by not only any president, by any human. He tried to mount a coup, and then he started to distribute our top secret information to adversarial countries. Anybody who would have ever done this 50, 60 years ago would be put in front of a firing squad. Now, that won't happen with Donald Trump in this case, but uh, he is going to be dealt with pretty significantly. You can't do this. You can't set that precedence and allow somebody to get away with this because you're just asking for it to get done again. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So thanks to an unsealed search warrant, we know how and why the FBI obtained a court-approved search warrant for Mar-a-Lago. In fact, Justice Department officials specifically noted the relevant crimes it believes may have been committed, pointing to the Espionage Act the Presidential Records Act, and alleged obstruction of justice. But according to a surprising number of Republicans, that might have been a little more than a ruse. Republican Senator Ted Cruz, for example, argued a couple of weeks ago, I actually think it had a little to do, little to nothing to do with classified documents. What this was about was January 6th. Now, how do you get that? <laughs> A fucking Harvard uh, educated lawyer, a uh, senator. How do you get that? Ordinarily, it'd be a fairly important development for a sitting senator and a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee to effectively accuse the FBI of lying to a judge in order to improperly obtain a search warrant. But since much of the political world understands that Cruz just says things, this went largely unnoticed. Earlier this week, Republican Senator Joni Ernst, a longtime fan of of some rather unusual conspiracy theories, went down a similar road telling Fox News she believes the Justice Department was actually looking for a little bit of a distraction from gas prices. She didn't appear to be kidding about that. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, yeah. The uh, DOJ is working in cahoots with uh, Joe Biden on his campaign, and they want to distract away from gas prices. Well, Joni... Fucking gas prices have dropped by more than a buck in the last six weeks. So why would that be the case? But as usual, it was to see sitting GOP senators raise such allegations out loud, leave it to Donald Trump to go a step further. Former President Donald Trump said on Thursday that he believes the FBI and the Department of Justice raided his Mar-a-Lago residence to look for former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's emails. (laughs) 
During an interview with Wendy Bells on her radio show, Trump spoke about the recent raid at Florida residents and said, yeah, I think they were looking for Hillary Clinton's emails. Haven't we gone through this whole Hillary Clinton thing? Hasn't it been investigated? Haven't they decided there's nothing to it? Well, of course they have. But Donald Trump is so fucking stupid, he thinks that's a valid distraction. Well, Donnie, it's not. That's actually what he said. Now, that's not the craziest thing Donald Trump has ever said, but that's pretty fucking crazy. Even for him, this was amazing. Sure, the FBI went to a court for a search warrant and pointed to a series of important statutes, but maybe the FBI was actually expecting to find emails belonging to the former Secretary of State who left office a decade ago, who lives 1,200 miles away at her former rival's glorified country club. Wow. <laughs> that, 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 that's just fucking unbelievable. The problem is there are people out there, some of the Trumplifucks that believe this stuff and spew this stuff out as if it's true. And it's not only not true, it's just fucking ignorant. The former president added, I think they thought, and who knows, you know, boxes full of stuff. I think they thought there was something to do with the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax that we know was, in fact, true. They were afraid that things were in there, part of their scam material, because that's what they are. They're scammers. And they were thinking things were in there having to do with, can you imagine Hillary? Uh, let Let me ask you something. If Donald Trump had something that would implicate Hillary Clinton, do you honestly think he'd sit on it? Do you honestly think he would do nothing with it? Jesus Christ, this guy is a fucking idiot. To the extent that reality still has meaning, the Russia scandal wasn't a hoax. The FBI isn't looking for Clinton's emails, and no sane person would expect to find Clinton emails at Mar-a-Lago. As for the FBI, you got to wonder how one of the most politically conservative institutions in the federal government feels about a prominent Republican routinely accusing the Bureau of rampant corruption and dishonesty. That can't be going over very well. But this is, you know, this is what Donald Trump did with four years. And because he was protected by William Barr, the DOJ, and the entire Republican Senate and the Republicans in the House of Representatives, he got away with the stupidest shit. And they backed him all the way. What they don't understand is when all is exposed and Donald Trump is shamed into um, exile, they're going to have to live with their decisions. Oh, yeah, I know they're trying to scrub their websites of all the Roe v. Wade stuff. But that's already stuck to them. You can erase your websites. You can say you didn't say that, but there's video, there's audio, there's print. People remember, they know what the fuck you said. This just shows how short-sighted they are. They said one thing for a short-term gain, and then after they got that short-term gain, they realized, oh, that's not going to work for me, so we'll just act like we never said that or never did that. Sorry, people are smarter than that, and it won't work. This next thing we're going to talk about is uh, public education in our country, and we're just going to talk about it briefly. 
But I want to tell you something my wife said to me. Now, remember, she was a public school teacher, fourth grade, for the most part, for 32 years. She did have to participate on this remote learning thing for a while, and she's not incredibly technically inclined. But she was able to see what was going on, and a lot of kids weren't showing up. A lot of kids weren't doing anything. There wasn't really any way to force them to do that. And my wife said, uh, she said, you know what they should do? They should hold everybody back, everybody in the country, in school, back for one year. Because they missed out a lot. They didn't learn anything during those year or two years while they were on remote learning. And if you talk to any any uh, teacher, most of them will probably tell you that. Now, I, I know there's probably kids that did all right. I know my step-grandson uh, did all right. He did his work. He was uh, made to do his work. But not all parents are good parents, as we've noted before. Um. But when you look at what was going on, we had teacher strikes, a teacher shortage, politics in the classroom, student loan debt have fallen into the space of all this education stuff. It's becoming very convoluted, very confusing. Today, it's a national test score data suggesting that American nine-year-olds took a major step backward during the COVID pandemic, when many of them were not physically in the classroom. Average scores between 20 and 22 in math and reading fell by a level not seen in decades. Seven points down in math, the first decline ever. Five points down in reading, the largest decline since 1990. Now, the scores decreased more among lower-performing students and black and Hispanic students, suggesting the pandemic was harder on groups of people already struggling. The results are being interpreted as proof of what many parents, teachers, and other sentient beings already suspected, that remote learning was a failure. As my wife pointed out, it was a fucking failure. It's not surprising, said Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, appearing on CNN's New Day on Thursday, Keeping in mind, a year and a half ago, over half of our schools were not open for full-time learning. Now, here's the thing. I watched my wife teach on a computer. And you had kids not showing up. You had kids not turning things in. They just didn't have the accountability to get the kids to do the work. So for a year and a half, two years, kids Not all kids, but a lot of kids weren't doing the work. So what's that mean? We're passing kids along that should not be passed along because they haven't learned what they needed to learn in their respective respective grades. Now, I have a friend who's a teacher who's retired now who told me a story that I found very interesting and disconcerting if if you think about it. He was teaching in high school at the time. Not going to say what class he was teaching, but he was teaching in in high school. And the pandemic hits, and, you know, in his class, he's got some kids that are failing, and some kids that were failing well before the pandemic. But the pandemic hits, and um, the kids are still not doing what they're supposed to be doing, the ones that are failing, 
and he decides he's going to fail them. That's that's what you do if you don't do the work or you're not competent in the work you do. I mean, that's a natural thing. Those people should be made to repeat the, 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 the years so we know that they've grasped what they're supposed to learn. Well, when it came down to it, and the administration at the school and in the district, they said, listen, just pass them. And my friend said, no, I'm not just going to pass them. That doesn't do these kids any good. I'm not going to pass them. And uh, the administration said, you're going to pass them. He goes, no, I'm not going to pass them. He says, you're going to pass them. Even if you don't pass them, we'll pass them. And that's what they did. They didn't know how to deal with the situation. And, and, and my friend said, look, they were failing before the pandemic. It's, this isn't new. Yeah, but the pandemic. So we're going to pass everybody. And that's what they did. They passed everybody, whether they should have been passed or not. Now, that's troubling for a district or an administration to do. But that does the kids no good. It does this country no good. So maybe what my wife suggested about having every kid do over a year of school to catch them up wouldn't have been a bad idea. There'd be no stigma because everybody had to go through it. I mean, let's face it, the whole period of time when there was remote learning, it was truly a failure. There is no question about it. But what's going to happen? We've got the Republicans attacking public schools. We've got a shortage of teachers. It's just going to get dramatically worse for public education. I'm concerned about the future of public education. I told my wife, I said, you got out when the getting was good. Things were getting harder in the classroom. There's no support by the administration. And now these kids haven't learned fuck all in two years. That's not a recipe for a good good uh, end. It's not going to go well. And we have some serious problems in our public schools. And there needs to be a shakeup there. As I've said before, we pay a lot of money and a lot of money in taxes and a lot of those tax dollars go to education. The unfortunate thing is that most of those dollars don't make it down to the teachers and the kids where they should be. It gets stopped up in the administration with them paying for people who aren't doing jack shit, aren't dealing with kids. The bulk of the money that a district gets should go to teachers and kids. That is the end game here. Good teachers and kids that have learned some shit. But now the public schools are having trouble uh, getting people to work for them. And they're also having a problem now with kids uh, testing at the levels they should be testing at. It tells me we have a big problem with the public schools. And it's going to be interesting to see if there's a way they can recover what they once had. And what they once had wasn't perfect. What they once had was kind of a shit show anyway. But now, all of a sudden, it's got decidedly worse. All right. Now, Democrats, with with the election coming up in a couple of months, uh, you would think that Democrats are focusing on the Senate and the House and the federal Elections, But that's not necessarily the case. Democrats are focusing on Secretary of State races this year. Uh, 
it's been a warning for their party. If you think the aftermath of the 2020 election was troubling, 2024 could be even worse if we fail to invest in these campaigns. What they're saying is if the Trump fucks and the crazy fucks get to be secretaries of state, it's going to be so much easier for Republicans to strive to steal an election. So Democrats are really focused on getting the right Democratic secretaries of state in. And that's not something they normally focus on, but you can understand why that is important. As then-President Donald Trump fumed about his loss following the 2020 election, secretaries of state, the top election officials in their states, were at the forefront of pushing back against false claims of electoral fraud. While the unexpected new prominence has helped Secretary of State candidates pull in more money and attention this cycle, some Democrats worry the party is not focused enough on these contests and in turn is risking chaos around the 2024 presidential election if a slew of Trump-backed election-denying candidates are able to win and the former president follows through with his desire to run for the White House. Even if he doesn't run for the White House, there'll be somebody else. We can't have these people in those positions. Now, these people don't recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election, President Joe Biden said Thursday of MAGA Republicans in a Philadelphia speech. And they're working right now as I speak in state after state to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. So Joe Biden understands the problem here and understands what could happen if we aren't careful. Election deniers have won Republican primaries across the country, including slates that will be central to the 2024 presidential election. What I'm hoping is that because some of these crazy people have been or become the Republican candidates, it will make it easier for Democrats to win those general elections. Now, in Nevada, Jim Marchant, an unsuccessful congressional candidate in 2020, says that his number one priority would be to overhaul the fraudulent election system in Nevada, and that he would not have certified Biden's 2020 win in the state. In Arizona, State Rep. Mark Fincham has falsely claimed that Trump won the 2020 election, called for the arrest of Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, and proposed widespread restrictions on on voting in the state. And in Michigan, Christina uh, Caramo who was falsely claimed that Trump won the state in 2020, rose to prominence by alleging to have witnessed voter fraud as a poll challenger during the state's count of absentee ballots. You think she's lying? Well, she must be lying because no one has been able to show a shred of evidence anywhere. Everything we do every single day to ensure the American people can elect freely, choose their election officials, is directly tied to January 6th and the far right and Trump's all-out assault on democracy, said Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, the chair of the Democratic Association of Secretaries of State, referring to last year's attack on the U.S. Capitol. To some Democrats, however, the party hierarchy has not fully grasped the threat of what election-denying candidates would mean as their state's top election officials. 
I think they make an excellent point. I mean, these are lower level people when it comes to the midterm elections. You know, these are state officials. But we know what the states tried to do. Now, they weren't able to accomplish it, but they sure tried, didn't they? And if we have the wrong people, the wrong people in these positions of Secretary of State, well, we could very well have a problem. There has been improvement. Do I think it's enough? No, said Ellen Kurz, founder and president of iVote, a Democratic outside group focused on Secretary of State races. If I was running the Democratic National Committee, I would make this the top priority. It's a no-brainer for me. And, you know, I tend to agree. It's, it's not something that takes prominence in a midterm election, but it is definitely something we have to think about. I mean, the threat is there. The attempts have been made. I don't know what more we have to do to wake up and say, yeah, maybe we need to pay attention to this. The 2020 election representing a high watermark for prominence of the Secretary of State position. The sitting president was calling out secretaries by name, including some Republicans, and urging his supporters to put pressure on these offices to refuse to certify elections in states he had lost. Now, you have to understand, these people like Brad Raffensperger down in Georgia were getting death threats, not only against them, but against their families. That's the pieces of shit these fuckheads are. Now, in several states, the Secretary of State is appointed by the governor, but the position is an elected office in the majority of states, albeit one that voters haven't usually prioritized. Both Republican and Democratic campaigns raised tiny sums compared with other statewide counterparts and few aired ads on television. Let's be honest, when we've watched election coverage, how many times have you ever really paid attention to the Secretaries of State? I mean, you either vote for the guy or the gal that's in there already, or you vote against them, but it really doesn't take too much uh, precedence. An insurrection makes a difference. The aftermath of the 2020 election forced more Americans to recognize that our country is at a crossroads and our democracy is in peril, said Kim Rogers, executive director of the Democratic Secretary of State Group, noting that Trump's pressure campaign on state officials after his loss and the global pandemic have also contributed to the attention. I think across the board, all of those factors culminated in people recognizing that secretaries of state are one of our last lines of defense. And fortunately, now some people are starting to pay attention. So this is absolutely crucial and something we need to think about it coming into November. Now, Representative Zoe Lofgren, Democrat from California, said Sunday that Donald Trump's brazen, repeated attacks on the FBI could potentially be considered incitement of violence against the agency and agents. Potentially, yes, responded Lofgren, who's a member of the House January 6th committee. Uh, In the lead-up to January 6th, there were extravagant claims made meant to inflame public opinion, and that is what's happening here. And she makes a good point. It's not an insurrection, but when it comes to, you know, what we hear people call witness tamering, which is basically throwing red meat to fucking animals and having them make threats and even show up at people's houses, threatening their families and such, 
that is happening. And frankly, that's as much of an incitement as January 6th was. I think it's meant to turn people against law enforcement officers, Lofgren said, and we've seen that sometimes that rhetoric reaches people who are prepared to act on it. Yeah, there's a few crazies out there that will step up and do something stupid. This is not responsible, and the ex-president ought to stop it, Lofgren added. Meanwhile, all of us, Democrats and Republicans in elected office, should call this out. This is not proper behavior. Is that even up for debate? I mean, Jesus Christ, we've, we've got Republicans doing this and then acting as if it's legitimate because they didn't win or they didn't get the decision they want, so now we're going to threaten people. That's the immaturity, the ignorance, and the violent tendencies of this Republican Party. Trump has repeatedly bashed the FBI, calling it a criminal enterprise as well as corrupt, sleazy, and abusive. Following FBI agents' confiscation of classified documents last month that Trump stole from the White House when he left, um, Trump claimed that the Bureau had a long and unrelenting history of being corrupt. Well, that might have been the case when he was in office, but uh, since then, and Merrick Garland taking over, it's a much different situation. He also called the search a sneak attack on democracy and referred in a true social post to great simmering anger among the public over the action, which he characterizes as a break-in. What he will constantly say is that... um, um, Everybody's mad about it. Everybody's talking about it. When, in fact, you know, the people that are upset about it are his small group of Trumplifucks, the base, maybe 30% of this country. It's not everybody. In fact, most everybody is fully against everything that Donald Trump does. Officials reported a spike in threats against the FBI after Trump's remarks. A joint intelligence bulletin released by the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security advised federal officials to remain vigilant and stay informed about domestic violent extremists. I, you know, I still think I'd love to see a merry band of Trumplifucks go after some FBI FBI building, they would be fucking destroyed. It's not like it was on January 6th. There will be pushback, and it won't be pleasant. Now, CNN's Jim Acosta, one of the few guys I actually still like on CNN, I'm waiting to see if he flips now that CNN is going to the dark side, pressed Lofgren on whether she considered it incitement when Trump blasted the FBI and Justice Department as vicious monsters at his Pennsylvania rally on Saturday. In the first eruption of violence last month, gunman Rick Schiffer, armed with an AR-15 assault rifle, was killed in a shootout with police after he attempted to breach a Cincinnati FBI office amid the vicious, uh, the vicious social media attacks by Republican lawmakers. It's not just Donald Trump. It's all these motherfuckers. Schiffer frequently posted violent messages on Trump's truth social platform and appeared to be particularly triggered by the verbal attacks led by the former president on the FBI. Now, if you did that sort of thing on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, you'd be kicked off. But apparently on truth social, they encourage this kind of behavior. 
The FBI Agents Association, which represents 14,000 current and past special agents, issued an angry statement in August saying the calls for violence against law enforcement are unacceptable and should be condemned by all leaders. Well, all leaders except Republicans. Larry Cosme, president of the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, expressed alarm in an interview with the Washington Post over GOP warnings to Americans that federal agents are coming for you. And that's what they say, you know. That's what they think is the case. The rank-and-file officers on the street and agents, they are career employees that cherish the Constitution like the average American. Cosme said... For them to be attacked is shameful and disgusting, and it absolutely is. Donald Trump can stand in front of a, a, a rabid crowd and say, go attack the Capitol, and they do. Now he's mad at the FBI because they searched his residence. He got caught committing a crime. He committed a crime. And now he's saying they are corrupt and they are vicious and they are dangerous. And the dumb fucks that follow him no matter what get all their ire up, and uh, occasionally one crazy fuck will go out there and do something stupid. The idea that uh, large quantities of these trumple fucks will get together and attack anything, I think, is not possible. These people are cowards. They're bullies and cowards, and they're not going to go up against a formidable force. And if they go to the capital. They go to the White House. They go to the FBI. They're going to be met with some serious problems. And uh, as this Schiffer guy ended up dead, there could be many more that end up dead if they are trying to harm or overthrow this country. So they aren't going to do anything. But that's not going to stop the crazies, the individuals or the two guys that lose their shit and think they're important. They'll end up dead. You can't walk around with an AR-15 near the FBI uh, headquarters in Cincinnati or anywhere else and not expect to have some kickback. I've said this before. If you're meeting with any law enforcement, police officers or FBI, and you have a gun, there's an excellent chance you're going to end up fucking dead. And you know what? You deserve it. Because you're stupid and you're a danger to this country. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you all for spending the time that you do with me. I hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.